You ready? You ready for this? Ready. Na 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 na. <laughs> you ready for this? <laughs> I knew there was gonna be some form of cold open. <laughs> oh my god. All right, welcome uh, to season three, part one of the Clone Wars, and what a journey we've been on together. And I feel like we're in the thick of things a little bit more. Um, this is no longer a new experience for us, watching ten to eleven episodes and discussing them about the Clone Wars. And yeah, so what we've done <clears throat> in preparation for today's episode is watch episodes one through seven of season three and then episodes nine through 11. Yeah, we did it. We're here through Woo. thick and thin and through all um, or overcoming all of our obstacles, all potential obstacles. And we there were some it. obstacles in those episodes, oh let me tell you. Some great <laughs> ones and some not so great ones. Yeah, I think this was definitely a roller coaster of a ride for sure. Especially because I watched watched the obviously I watched this in increments, so I watched the first four, then the second three, and then the last three. Oof. And I gotta say that middle part was rough. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get into this. Uh, I was yeah. really I was really excited to learn more about the clones and their training that we see in the first two episodes, especially. Uh, we got a glimpse at the relationship between Padme and Ahsoka, which I found so interesting and just so nice. We a great change of pace because Padme and Anakin, I'm sick of in every context. So <laughs> yes. give me and everything with Ahsoka is great. So it doesn't matter exactly. who she's interacting with. Isn't that crazy how that's like true? <laughs> 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 yeah, for sure. Um, we get to see a different side of the separatists, or let's say some separatists. And we get to see more of Mandalore and Cad Bane. So that's like, always exciting. Though Mandalore, maybe not th that much this time. It's so funny. As soon as I remembered that there's children in an episode, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so weary when I saw the uh, the title of the first episode of the Clone Cadets. I was like, oh, no, we get to see more ch child stuff. But then very quickly... I, I realized that it's about adults and I was like, and then yes. you're fine. It's like, Oh, this is actually good. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. It's so funny in the middle of watching that episode of the children, I was thinking to myself, I know Chris is hating this episode. And, and then I immediately like flashbacked to future episodes that we're going to be watching that I know we're going to be watching. And I'm like, Oh no, Chris is really going to hate those. I'm just like, Oh God, this is going to be a struggle. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, those were not, necessarily just bad because you know the main characters were uh like adolescents or children uh it was just the writing was really bad so and a lot of things didn't make sense um more than one thing can be true for sure yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting when there is a bad quality episode that is um set in Mandalore in particular, because mm. I feel like there's an inherent desire for us to like Mandalore just because of everything that comes after it. Yeah. That we just, it's, it's, it's kind of sad when we get a stinker in Mandalore, mm. but we'll get to it, I guess. Speaking of stinkers in Mandalore, I, uh, I have to admit, I tried to look up how exactly the, uh, the governmental system in Mandalore works because I wasn't sure of the, the relationship between, the duchess and the prime why minister why did you do that 
Sorry? Did you get spoiled? Yep, I got spoiled. Fuck! How dare you, Chris? You just ask me questions. <laughs> I know. No. I, was, I know. I'm so mad. I know. I, um, I, you, you can't be madder than I was. Um, oh. I mean, that was something that what got spoiled for you. Oh, I guess no. Well, I don't want to spoil it for the list. I can I, something about uh, Satine. Let's. I mean, something uh, that I knew was gonna happen eventually, but I just didn't know who was involved in that. Let's put it that oh, way. No! I know. <gasps> oh I know. No. I know. Oh, I'm it so sucks sad. So bad. It's so bad. I was. I was so angry at myself. Do um, not, Chris. Do not. What? Well, like that's the spoiler, though. Ugh. Oh no! <laughs> that's like. Oh, I'm so... I know. I know. I'm so. I'm so angry. And if thing. anyone who's listening to this who has no idea what we're talking about, you'll get it. <laughs> just, 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 you'll know at some yeah. point. And anyone who has already watched the entire show knows exactly what we're talking about. Mm. I mean, uh, I don't know anything you feel about our the pain. circumstances or anything. It's just, oh, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, it's but then, crazy. like, you can see things coming in a different way, and it's just a whole different thing. Uh, so, okay, yeah, you maybe are forbidden. I'll, maybe I'll just forget it in a week. I don't know. We'll see. Sometimes I don't think happens. so. No, I don't but, think so. But um, you are forbidden from looking up anything about <laughs> the Star Wars universe, okay? Yeah, you will sure. be spoiled with things. I know, I know. Uh, I didn't know what I was thinking. I was just like, "Yeah, let me just quickly." This is bothering me so much. I, I I need to I need to look this up, and then I I got bothered by something way bigger. Um, <sighs> yeah, just just you know, you will get very many text messages from me to explain stuff. Yes, perfect. Just like if you have ever a question during the week, yeah, uh, just send me a text, and then I will either figure out the answer or, or if I there just is have no to answer, wait until we record. <laughs> No, 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 you'll wait until we record and then things will be yeah. clarified to you, right? Yeah, I know, so. I know. I, do. I, I, uh, I don't know. I was in a haze because of all those bad episodes. Um, <laughs> I have to say, this, this season or these episodes that we've watched, I could, re I could really tell the not non-chronological nature of the Clone Wars this time. Yeah, it really becomes more apparent, right? When you see people who have already died back in the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or just things, you know, with Zero, for example, who I thought just, oh, yeah, you're so happy that he's back. No, I think I think your point about the, um, like the timeline being a little funky, you really start to see the this kind of jump back and back and forth. And it gets, becomes a lot more clear, obviously. Yeah, and I have to say, I'm not sure I like the. Uh, it just feels so erratic because it's it's not like one timeline. Yeah, in some places, like especially in these episodes, it's really noticeable, and it is weird. I think it does kind of. And normally, it doesn't bother me, right? And then there are just some episodes where I'm like, "Oh wait, what?" And then like. If this happened before the other things happened, what state of mind is our characters in, essentially, right? So it mm. it puts into different light the um, character development and the chronology that we're interested in. But I think that is how it's in intended. Like there are, as we mentioned, other watch lists out there that sort of guide you through the Clone Wars chronologically. And I'm, I don't know whether or not I'm a fan of that. No, I'm not a fan of it why i'm not sure but 
I definitely prefer going with the actual release dates. But one thing I did notice about these episodes that I kind of did like is I'm starting to like Anakin more. And I just like every it's weird. It's to the point where I love the episodes where he's tangentially connected, where he's not really part of the story, but he just comes in for a second at the beginning or end and kind of guides Ahsoka or whatever. And he's so likable. I'm just like, I like you, Anakin. It's it's so fun. You're a cool guy. I, it's like you are um, portrayed in a way that makes me really sad for your future. But it's cool. I like Anakin. I think they really, as a sh- as a show, have gotten to the groove of how they portray him as a character. And, and it's really, you can see that as the show develops. One thing, though, that I have to say... <clears throat> I would be completely um, remiss if I didn't say it. And Mandalore has a race problem in the sense that everyone is white. It's just, it's not a good look. Like, and you look into the crowds even and all the characters and it's like also the subtle notion that, oh, of course the all white blonde hair popular, like planet is super technologically advanced. and. It's just like, uh, okay, guys, what were we thinking when we made this? And I know this was made earlier, but, you know, 10 years ago, we sh- it doesn't justify this level of whitewashing. <laughs> I mean, in some in some instances, this show is surprisingly good at representation. Exactly. Others, it really is. And you know what also struck me about Mandalore this time is how bland the color palette is. It's all like light blue and br- light brown and gray and it's so boring yeah the mandalore episodes in this uh in this season were not good or this stretch are not good <gasps> and spoiler. It, spoiler alert and it, it starts also with the colors and it's just also another thing about clone wars it is really good normally about juxtaposing really different colors that are very vibrant in its set design but it just it falls so flat like in the in these scenes with Mandalore, but we'll get there. Cool. Okay, so the first two episodes we can probably talk together. Uh, episode yeah. one, Clone Cadets, uh, which f- basically follows uh, the Domino Squad, uh, that is comprised of five cadets uh, who are <laughs> basically uh, just before their finals at Clone Academy. Um, who, if they don't if they fail this test they will basically never go into combat um they're trained by jedi master shakti and two uh bounty hunters one of whom is their direct superior who is not a big fan of theirs um we get 99 who is a very interesting character um who is uh i guess a kind of dare i say it quasimodo type Oh, interesting. Yeah, good point. Uh, who is kind of a caretaker <clears throat> on uh, on the training in the training facility, and we ca- we basically follow Domino Squad through some team building, basically through their vi- final examination stages, essentially. Right. So that's essentially the examinations they take before they become clone troopers. Exactly. And then in episode two, called Arc Troopers, we see a separatist attack. On Camino, and we see multiple Jedi, uh, among them Anakin and Obi Wan, but also the aforementioned Shakti, and also the five hundred and first division, who you know, battlefront players like us obviously know who 
who they are. The 501st is the best. I love the 501st. Yeah, we get some really interesting fight scenes and uh, some yeah character development as well. And yeah, I guess we'll get to in- into it now. Yeah, I'm going to say up front, I love these two episodes. Yeah. Really um, it's like everything. And you mentioned earlier um, in your previous, uh, in the previous seasons, how you didn't like how the Clone Wars is treating the clones. And you kind of treat them like droids in some of a way. But I think this episode, these episodes do a really good job in like making this. Okay, this is a show about the Clone Wars. We need to spend some time with the clones. You know, 99 also kind of reminds me of Nate from Tet Lasso a little bit. <laughs> you know yeah uh, which uh not not in terms of looks i don't want to i don't oh want to the actor nick muhammad but uh it's just the, the how he's treated and but how he's still very supportive yeah um because he basically gets bullied and not taken seriously by any of the cadets yeah um but he is always so supportive and that's what uh, makes his death in episode two even more affecting which i again going back to a, uh, an earlier criticism of mine is that deaths aren't really treated with the appropriate uh gravitas i guess yeah uh, and this is the first time i think this this show tries to make an effort even though it was like i found it very obvious and kind of ham-fisted but i could see where they were going with this yeah, I mean, like, what do you, like, not to say what do you want, but, like, they they built up the operatic music, and it's just, like, this big, momentous death scene, and it's like, oh, this wasn't really necessary, to be honest. But... Yeah, and that's just, just 99 just does something really stupid. Exactly. It's like, oh, you kind of deserved that one. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah seriously. <laughs> it is it is still, like, an, a, an attempt to, to humanize the clones further and also give weight to their lives in mm. a way that is nice. Just a few things before we maybe get into some deeper stuff. Um, we found the the German alien race. Uh, I don't know how they're called, but the German ba- uh, the green bounty hunter who is in charge of training has a has a. Oh, does he have German a German accent? accent? Yes. I did not notice that at all. Um, we also see the the be- probably the best Easter egg so far, which is that the test version for the squads uh, in this episode that they have to. Uh, succeed ed as their final test is called thx 1138 which is uh do you know what that is nope that's george lucas's first um movie that i think was a kind of a i think it was was it a short movie or a full movie i don't remember but it was basically yeah 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 i remember his like his like work for his film school and all of that the one you know his very first movie basically and when uh yeah I uh, I was a fan of that. Uh, I thought you were going for another Easter egg, which is where uh, oh the Bad Batch, fi- yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's that, that's what I was going to mention uh, earlier. I, my ears definitely perked up at that. No, that's a nice little thing. Them calling themselves a Bad Batch, quote unquote. And you'll see what happens or doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, this might just be my very dirty mind, but. Um, oh God! <laughs> <laughs> um, in episode two, the bounty hunter has a kind of a back and forth with Grievous, and Grievous is um, telling her like, "So do you want like my 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 uh, droids to accompany you?" And she says in a very less Shiva's way, "I thought 
my dear general, there is nothing you have that I could want. Huh, nice. You, there is nothing. Yeah, you... no, Ventress is a whole other thing. Okay, I didn't yeah. know you were going Ventress. I thought you were going to say, like, Shakti's, like, shagging up with some of the clones. What? Uh, I'm just like, I don't what? know. Your mind goes off in weird places. <laughs> no, come on. I think... I think at least you could see where I'm coming from with all of those things that I'm. No, the fir- the one with like Tano, like having feelings for us, Anakin. I'm just like, no, I'm uh, not. I don't. That's come. That makes no sense. To maybe me, so. just be- you say that just because of hindsight. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But maybe. that was for sure like very se- like. No, but sexual. Ventress is like is overtly sexual in that way, yeah. right? The way she speaks, the way she touches him, the way that's, just, I don't exactly. think that's, it's not your dirty mind. That's just clearly what they're going for. It's also my dirty mind, but yeah. Um, I really like Ventress though. She, as also, she quote, she is not a bounty hunter, she's an assassin. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. But yeah, oh man, like she's great. Also, the double lightsaber. Um, yeah, it's I'm cool. a huge fan of that. And I was thinking, this is the first time we see Ventress, right? Yeah, and I was wondering, yeah. it seemed like Anakin and her know each other. So Yeah, so like... there was a couple episodes in the first season at the beginning, she oh, appeared, and it's just they weren't worth our time. Um, and this is a good intro episode for her, really, because she does, you know, you do see Grievous and her meeting for the first time. You see her and her great force powers um and her strength she's she's a path, powerful enemy to anakin and obi-wan yeah that i i was always under the insum- assumption that there was always just one sith master and one sith apprentice but apparently not yeah you'll see how that develops more okay so uh, they're retconning the original trilogy that's great not necessarily so there is still the rule of two right um but within the rule of two um there are wiggle room (laughs) in some ways because there's officially two sith but you can be sith you can be a practicer of the dark side but not be sith oh does that make sense i like loopholes like that okay cool cool cool. so that's the rationale essentially that'll be that'll be more clear and more things we'll learn about in the second half of season three yeah maybe maybe going to bigger questions now um sure. in episode one the communion says uh that you know quote ever since Django died we had to stretch his dna to get more clones unquote and i wondered is that how it works that's a good point that's a good point i just kind of took it for f- face value but maybe what they have to do because they only have a say they have a certain amount of samples and from each sample you create a clone right Maybe. Mm-hmm. And then once they run out of those samples, they're essentially just using clone samples to create new samples. But I know what you're saying. It's like if the clone DNA is exactly the same as the original DNA, then. Also, it can't work like that because all of them look the same, are the same. So it just has to be. It has to be all the same. So you could just lit- you could literally copy that. Maybe the thing is, I think it's more that they all come not from each other, but they're all copied from an original base. Yeah. And that base atrophies over time. Mm-hmm. And as that atrophy is happens, um, then you are uh, kind of, you need to replenish it with something f- with fresh samples or fresh a fresh base, essentially, in order to continue manifesting clones, right? So they're probably using the DNA beyond its normal usable limit 
Yeah. Okay. Fine. That's how I, mean, I see it, and it doesn't seem too crazy for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure. So, what did you think about the first episode, though? Like, we we basically it is basically team like they fail their tests at first because they can't work together. They all have yeah. their distinct personality, which kind of um, is bad for them on the battlefield because they they don't fight as a unit and they get the chance of retaking the test but there are also some hindrances of course you know they're they're um we get some really nice shots with two of them be trying to uh get they approach the jedi and try to uh be put into another unit and the leader is confronted by their trainer basically not their trainer their drill sergeant basically um who is like very abusive um yeah but in the end they take the test they work together uh even though their drill sergeant is trying to make it harder for them and have them fail by taking their ascension cables away from them but they still prevail in the end um yeah so that's basically what happens in episode one which is very straightforward but i really liked it yeah it's nice it's it's you see the plot coming it's really clear what's going to happen by the end uh but it is still exciting to go through it's a different change of pace from the regular stuff um it's nice to obviously the meaning of the episode is good as well and it's quality enough that it, it has interest and intrigue right uh, despite the predictability of the pl- of the plot and she she the jedi even um outright says what this episode is about when she says uh the clones are living beings not objects exactly and that's good yes more of that please um i want more human beings in my army not droids they're just more interesting yeah for sure um yeah i don't know there's not that much to talk about in episode one i think but not, not to be honest i i do like heavy and I like the change that he makes and, yeah. and in the end. I'm sad that they killed him off screen um, in episode two. And I don't really know why they did that. And I don't know. And I don't think this it ever happens. It could have been something that was on a battle that we saw. But I don't think we saw that battle. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. But um, it's it's kind of sad that Heavy's gone already. Especially because he, he was the, the, like, the most important character in the in the first episode yeah Maybe apart like from the, 99 he's the domino that the last domino to fall essentially oh nice i'm just good like that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there's not much to talk about this episode really yeah but the thing. the second episode though i mean i have to say it took the separatists long enough to attack him you know i feel like that was like pretty obvious yeah, right like well but i think is that just because it seems so outlandish because of the defenses yeah. right it's so very to... heavily protected yeah i have to say you know that there was a trap with the uh, with the space battle that was fairly obvious but the debris part i liked yeah that was cool that was a nice way to oh we're transporting people right and there's a little hints of it so at the beginning they're saying they're sacrificing the transports for some reason right and I'm just like, and everyone's like, oh. It doesn't make sense that Obi-Wan immediately knows, okay, that's, you know, it must have something to do with the debris, so I just go underwater. Um, That was a little bit forced. In, yeah, um, how opinion. he knows it. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, someone has to figure it out. And, of course, it would be Obi-Wan and not Anakin. I like that. It's like, of course, Anakin is just up there, ignorant, having fun, and, like, just shooting stuff down. It's like, don't be, don't worry about the things I already shoot down. But it's, so it is cool to see <laughs> um, that difference between the two of them. And it's clear that that should be the way that it happens. Um, but in this case, it's another, I just, it's like Anakin now. I didn't think I would ever like Anakin this much. Even after the first time I watched it, I didn't really notice it too much. And then this time going through, I'm like, oh, it's fun. It's cool. I'm up for the ride. <laughs> I also really like the uh, the scale of the space battle mm-hmm. where it's just so like, there's a lot of, even though it's like, it's really short and it's not really a big part of it. Just the sheer number of Star Destroyers and, and um, uh, Separatist ships it's really cool to see them all in one place. A lot of the space battles we have are just like one destroyer versus another ship or one or two. And it's, we don't really get the massive, massive uh, battles that we get or that we would like to see sometimes. Yeah. I really like the, the aqua droids, you know, the idea of, you know, drilling inside of a building and then just basically ejecting uh, a bunch of droids to fight inside. Uh, infiltrate i really really like that design or that idea yeah obviously we get the uh what's her name again ventress ventress asage ventress yeah we get we get ventress here um who at least for me because i hadn't seen those other episodes was was a surprise to me that she had force powers so um that was really interesting double lightsabers of course always great and yeah a lot of interesting fighting scenes not like spectacular but just very solid in a positive way yeah i think the the choreography is improved with the lightsaber duels for sure Mm. i've definitely in this episode you really notice it's a step up kind of from episode two in my mind or season two yeah um yeah and just a note on ventress really quick she like that first kill she has that intro kill where she chokes the guy like the 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 audio of it is so like and the way that she just like uh, it's it's so cool it's so ruthless in the way that she operates it's kind of what we want from a from a dark side villain right yeah for sure and you could just see like she like she would have been such a more interesting villain in the movie than Grievous. Oh, hundred percent. But alas, we do get some younger cadets, some children involved in the fighting. I'm so sorry. I'm so okay. sorry. It's very quick, and they were capable, so that's a f- that's fine with me. Um, we get again, uh, 99's death, which is, yeah, sloppy, but. Uh, at least some amount of grieving, uh, you know, which was, which was good. Um, I have to say something that I didn't like was that, I don't know what it is, like this, the beast that saves Obi-Wan twice. Yeah. The second time was just so Deus Ex Machina. Though I yeah, have to the say... The first time, whatever. The second time, yeah. It yeah, really but I have to say the, his line was like, that made me chuckle when he said... Um, we got uh we got to stop meeting like that my friend uh that was pretty funny yeah but basically they fend the attack off um there are a bunch of casualties so many deaths and like even as like the the ceiling is collapsing in the pod room where they're growing like how many millions of like baby clones or like embryonic clones died in this 
episode. So many. Yeah. And at the end, uh, the two remaining, our two remaining troopers from the original Domino Squad get named ARC Troopers, which are basically an elite force within the uh, the clone army. Yeah, fair enough. Five is an echo. They're just killing it, making their way up. Yeah, that's the first two episodes. I thought really strong start to this uh, to this season. I, I see why they put it up front, right? Yeah, you, you want to start it as normally you want to start and end a season at the strong points, right? Um, tell that to Mandalorian season two, but um, you should. When I you mean, the end was season, pretty amazing, but hey, the start. Ugh. The start was such a bummer. Yeah. So. <laughs> When you want to start a season on the, off with a bang, essentially, and they did it. I think they did a good job. And even though the quality of next episodes aren't as good, um, it gets you interested and keeps keeps you going, essentially. Yeah. And say what you will about the next episode, uh, which is bad just because of, you know, Jar Jar's there. Um, but I liked... So it's, it's basically... Um, Oh, there's so much happening in this episode in a way it's so, crazy yeah good luck doing the plot so so we ba- we basically have a humanitarian crisis of on ryloth uh, and um we what get is it basi- about ryloth like everyone is it's like it's you know the central planets are like things like mandalore coruscant and then ryloth yeah <laughs> it's great i like ryloth yeah. but yeah you love you know. the tree like so so we basically get two different plots here one is on ryloth with Jedi Imagundi and uh, Cham Sindula and all of their forces kind of being trapped by the uh, by the separatist army, and we get a lot of mention about the, how there is no supplies, no food, no whatever, and at the same time, Bail Organa is uh, going to Toydaria to basically negotiate a humanitarian intervention uh, on on behalf of the Twi'lek, but there is an, an emissary of the Trade Federation who He's argues, a senator. That's Senator Lot Dodd. Yes. And he argues against Bail Organa in front of the king, you know, very thinly. No, actually, I, th- I thought he did a pretty good job being this two-faced person like he is obviously a separatist but he can play it off as like no we're not separatists i thought that that was actually maybe not well done but it wasn't badly done either and i actually no, i actually think it's it's interesting really interesting part and it goes to further episodes too where you have the banking clan and the trade federation who are separatist forces wanting to continue the war for their own central uh, greedy desires and they try to play the middle but it doesn't i mean obviously it's not the case but it's within the system that they live in they can't be prosecuted or accused because there's no evidence right so it's a really interesting nuance there the argument between or maybe negotiations between the king of toydaria bail organa and the trade federation guy uh is pr- is probably the only interesting political debate I've ever seen in Star Wars so far. Well, ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cuz yeah, 
Ugh. I don't know what's coming, but so far this is the only interesting thing. And I thought that that was very well done. I was really interested. I couldn't care, of course, about Jar Jar. He was just an idiot as always. Um, it's interesting to pair pair Jar Jar and Organa. Like one he's, really or, good he figure. He is so good at basically sidelining. paying compliment, sidelining Jar Jar by paying him compliments. Yeah, it's so good. It's so well done, and obviously we see through it, but it's just done with such such eloquence. I really liked it, um, and he's he sometimes even disses Jar Jar with nice words. So, um, I did have one moment where I just thought everything was gonna go down the drain when, you know, I realized part of Organa's plan relies on Jar Jar at the dinner, uh, which yeah. again was just handed. So it's so silly. Also, like, just don't have the dinner in a place with windows if that's your solution. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. And there were two things at the end that I found. I mean, okay, okay. One of one of the things that I really liked was another funny droid moment when they when they're in the gunships and they're like, there are no clones here, just explosives, explosives, yeah. and then boom, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, you know, that's kind of the droid humor that I like even though as well you know they cease to exist afterwards but um yeah that was pretty funny and what actually surprised me was that we see a jedi die here we're in yeah it's a cool death scene too it's pretty cool he and the remaining clone troopers try to fend off the separatists or the rather the droid army um for as long as they can so that the twi'lek can get into safety and receive the the relief exactly and i really like that and i was re- but i was really surprised uh that you know he wasn't just captured dies. or whatever yeah yeah or he and just, I think just runs away i wish we saw him more i wish we saw yeah. more of him where yeah. he like he he died obviously and it was a very emotional death but yeah. if we were more invested in the character at least one other episode it would have been more shocking maybe yeah obviously you can't say anything about this because this is going to be a spo- it would be a spoiler yeah but i'm just curious to see how the conflict between him and shamsun Dula and the fact that he basically died f- to buy him uh, ch- uh the twi'lek sometime is going to play out later whether there's going to be more conflict and uh, you mean yeah, between the republic and the, the twi'lek yeah yeah Interesting. But yeah, I I have to say, all in all, I like this episode, despite Jar Jar. Yeah, I have was, to, I, I have to I have to admit one thing. What? I might have like forwarded through bits of that uh, dinner. I couldn't. I just like skipped <laughs> ten, 10, 10 seconds at a time. I was like, no, yeah. no, I don't want to do this. And I I saw what happened. But I just like no, I cannot, I cannot do this. I basically, I may, maybe I skipped like two minutes, but I just couldn't. Wow, whoa, all right, you know, it just, whatever. It was too painful. Um, I can't say I blame you. <laughs> okay, episode four. Chuchi's back! Yay! That, that is literally my first note. Chuchi is back! Exclamation point is my oh. first note. There is a new chairman, uh, who replaced the old imperialist asshole we saw in season one i want to say his daughters are kidnapped and held for ransom and so chuchi and ahsoka work together to to find and free them 
and again we we see we have contact with the trade federation and it's just very interesting there are a few things that i didn't like about it for example we get the the chairman and his son eon uh, who are like pretty good at fighting though eon kind of seems to be like not the sharpest knife in the drawer but But, i mean no the chairman is also really smart the chairman is really smart he is a really good gunfighter but what i really disliked was that it is his daughters who get kidnapped and it's him and his son who rescue uh, them. I see. Yeah. So see. For, again, like it's a women are in duress, and it's the men who have to save them. I mean, you could say, of course, there's Chuchi and Ahsoka as well, but in terms of the family, yeah, you know, that could have handled yeah. that differently. Well, because it is Chuchi and Ahsoka who do save one of the daughters, so yeah. I guess it's like. Yeah, but yeah. I see what you mean for sure. Yeah, we get we get our first glimpse at Greedo. A young Greedo, yeah, which Greedo. I kind of liked. I, at first, I thought I didn't like it, but then the more I saw of him, the more I, I it grew on me. Uh, you you mentioned previously that you really like Chuchi partly because of her accent, and I agree. With within the within the family, this is all over the place. So oh, yeah, <laughs> the father sounds vaguely British, but also kind of Australian or Kiwi. Uh, but the son so- sounds so U.S. American. Yeah. Accents are all over the place. Yeah. So that that was not I that was really weird. I wondered about the relationship between Chuchi and Ahsoka. Not because they work together, because Ahsoka at some point says that Chuchi is her friend. Which I thought like, how does that work? What do you mean? Are they not allowed to have friends, Jedi? Or what? Why would a senator be friends with the Padawan, I guess? And how would what and how did they come like wh- how did they meet and all of that i'm i just want to know the backstory that's all um i fucking hated seeing the senate this inspector again terrible oh at least he this in and out in a second yes but uh, i was i was really dreading seeing much more of him but fortunately we got spared of that also how's how is he so bad at his job they did a forensic analysis of the house and they didn't see blood like come on I don't mind him being incompetent, but I hate him being incompetent, but still so arrogant. Yeah. Like that, that combination just irks me. I love, I love the, um, the loophole in the Jedi mind trick where, uh, <laughs> Ahsoka and Chuchi are meeting up with the trade federation, with, um, people from the trade federation on their bases and very thinly veiled. They just want to, snoop around and they do that in during the night and they and ahsoka uses the jedi mind trick on one of the guards to like to let her pass but he wouldn't let chuchi pass so she has to do it again like you will also let her pass (laughs) that was pretty funny yeah and then we get a nice nice a few nice action scenes um i was very impressed by the chairman of pantora um especially compared to the last one yeah, yeah, yeah. He he is like a gunslinger, like nothing else. I really like, and that. also very diplomatic and well spoken. Yeah. It's really nice. I love the interaction between him and and Jabba. And Jabba, right? Yeah, I really yeah. like that as well. He he really puts Greedo. He really like puts Greedo into a spot there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he basically breaks down and tells uh, tells them everything because he finds himself between a rock and a hard place. So. 
there's nothing you can you can feel that he doesn't want to anger Jabba. He yeah, is really of course. Afraid. I, I mean, everyone doesn't want to hurt Jabba. Basically, yeah, that was the most important hut. I have to. Okay, we can, we're going to talk about this later. Oh, we'll but. talk a lot about the huts. I know. I have. I have questions. I also looked up the huts, but that was on general oh, Wikipedia. But why? <laughs> How dare you? Stop it! Uh, I know. I know no. you want to know questions. You would, sorry, you have questions that need to be answered. But patience, my friend. Be like Ahsoka and have patience. Oh, sick burn! And what I, I mean, who are you in this equation, Yoda or Anakin? I am neither. Okay. I'm the. Oh, what's his name? I was gonna make a joke, but I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> I am the turtle um, uh, master. Yeah, so it starts off with like actually deep questions about democracy, and it's how we have this a common plaint, complaint about democracy or the wheels of democracy churning too slowly. Yeah, and it doesn't really. Uh, this is a question that it, the Star Wars in general, poses so many times. And it doesn't really get a good job at like answering that question. How do you solve that? Like, how do you actually go about dealing with a slow democracy? And it's just, oh, have faith that things will work out, right? Mm. And I'm not, eh, that's not something I really like too much. But that is really a indicative of the Clone Wars when it gets into the politics, the nitty gritty of the Republic. It can be interesting, but it is just a little weaker than um, some of the other stuff that it does on the battlefield. That's definitely a note that I have. I really just mi- did miss Ahsoka because we did have three straight episodes without her. And I just needed some Ahsoka in my life. And we did, luckily, after this, we get quite a few Ahsoka episodes. Um, but you can really see, again, the her and Anakin relationship just being fun. <laughs> just mm-hmm. um, And again, this is, the th- I mentioned at the top about how I like Anakin as this, like, passing role in the show sometimes. And this is one of the, the first episodes where we see him kind of there but not actually and it's really nice to kind of have see ahsoka living in the legacy or in the in yeah in the legacy of anakin in some ways it's so it's fun it's fun Mm -hmm. Um, and i have one question for you yes so is that in this episode did we see the cantina (laughs) yes i we saw a lot of aliens from the cantina for sure i think yeah no we saw like in this in they had a shootout in a cantina in moss Eisley. it must it must be the cantina it has to be so is that the first like shot we have in the cantina in the like star wars chronology yeah Yeah. because yeah if i think about it we see a lot of the (laughs) like some of the patrons that we see in episode four of the movie yeah um, yeah yeah. uh, the layout is exactly the same we see the tables we see the bar um everything's the same and nice so, so we've seen that. the moss Eisley cantina yeah nice good oh, good, so sh- fun. good shout out another interesting point that i have on this episode is the divide within the trade federation to what extent it is genuine or not we don't know and we know at the top it's not so we know that luke dodd is not he's a separatist but in the middle of the trade federation i i kind of bought them being sincerely betrayed by their compatriots so it's an interesting thing that i want to know more about in terms of how the trade federation works internally mm-hmm. right I, I i am inevitably intrigued by the sides of war that try to play both sides right whether it's a banking clan trade federation even things like palpatine right 
um that's like these are players that are on both sides simultaneously and those are inevitably extremely interesting so i want to know more about the internal workings of the trade federation yeah a second that but before we can do that we have to go to mandalore for two very weird episodes speaking of humanitarian efforts there is also a crisis on mandalore where Padme is going on invitation by Duchess Satine because there also is uh, a problem to to receive goods uh, because it is kind of roped into the into the war but uh, apparently the, I think it's the the fr- the separatist side won't deliver goods to them anymore so there's a huge black market and all of that and food shortage and basically this episode is all about some tea merchants trying to dilute their tea to double their profit margins by uh, but but that results because they they add something to it that basically becomes poisonous and then a bunch of people especially children get sick and Padme and Satine investigate this and i have to say i this doesn't make any sense why they specifically are investigating yes why also why is the uh why does the royal the fucking royal guard doesn't have any blasters they only have like spears it doesn't make any (laughs) sense um yeah why do they go investigating i i get it like they're too badass women all of that's great but it's just so stupid. And they just, again, everything happens so quickly. Of course, it's the pacing of this series, but they just, they find, once they're at the school, they find out that it's the tea really quickly. What what I actually really liked about this was the um, uh, the tea merchants and the, the customs official and their interaction. I've thought that that was like, well done, but everything else is just bullshit. Uh, Again, this is the reason why I got spoiled because I wasn't sure who was in charge here. Was it the Duchess? Was it the Prime Minister? Because apparently the Prime Minister was like doing nothing, but Satine couldn't do anything about this. So <laughs> she had to investigate. But I just thought if she's in charge, she should just fire the guy because he apparent he is just so slow and so incompetent. And obviously we get to see more about this in the next episode. But yeah, it was just everything was just so quick to find. You mentioned, I think, in one of the previous episodes, you complained about people who are behind things just doing stupid things. Like the superintendent here just runs away, like out of nothing. Like they didn't even suspect him, and then he just runs away as soon as they start wondering why, how, you know, how the tea came to the school, and it's like, just play cool, man. It's like, yeah, right. You're a there's criminal. There's no paper trail. There's nothing. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah and th- then they g- then they investigate during the night, and they have to be really quiet, but still, they talk all the time. Also, it's really stupid. Um, probably the best scene in the in this episode is when they kind of when they find the the warehouse of the tea merchants. They open it, uh, and the 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 customs guy, the the captain in charge of customs, is saying like um 
hold it right there and the tea merchants just immediately start shooting <laughs> like there's like not even a second it's just like they immediately draw their blasters and shoot everyone um, i mean that's realistic that is really realistic and it was really funny and also why do they burn the so so in the end they they kill all the guys and then Satine, for some reason, decides to burn the warehouse, which doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. she's trying to stamp out corruption and she's burning evidence. Yeah. Not a good look. Also, yeah, also, you'd need to rebuild this warehouse. Yeah. This is like, you wanna, you wanna, like, waste more funds? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. So, uh, safe to say, I didn't like this episode. Nothing. Yeah, it's sense. not a good one. Um, and I'm not a fan of, you know, the biggest thing that did bug me is what you mentioned about the burning of the warehouse, as well as the the Padme and Satine doing things on their own without any help. I do, so just to respond to one of your points, I do kind of see the Royal Guard not having blasters just because of Satine's idealistic commitment to nonviolence, just like mm. them in particular wouldn't have yeah. blasters just shields and symbolic of her um, ideals. Um, but I mean, someone has to have blasters on, in the, in the police force, right. Of some kind. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did kind of like in this episode, and it's not about the episode in particular. I do think that in some ways, Satine is a good leader in the mm -hmm. sense that like she can command a room and she can, um i know tell it like it is and is really strong as a leader in, in some moments when she needs to be it's like don't bullshit me kind of personality and i think she's really good and so in terms of setting up satine as a leader within the mandalorian structure and also the respect that people have for her i think this is a this does you know it, it does some good i guess as an episode that is quite flawed and one flaw that in it, and I'd like to add to the many that you've already pointed out, is that at the end, it's they for some reason jump to the logic of bringing a Jedi in and teaching the children. I'm just like, where did the children come into this whole story? It's it made no sense to be honest. It wouldn't. It might have been made more sense if they just didn't have that line, and then the next episode was just about the academy. But to somehow tie the customs corruption to the uh, children in some way made no sense maybe maybe Satine is just hot for obi-wan and once hopes that they'll send him and i then, mean yeah that makes sense that's good know. head canon right there <laughs> just to end on a positive note something that i really liked here uh with all that i said before is that i did like the relationship between Satine and padme here um Padme obviously being really empathetic to her cause and all of that. They have a lot of respect and admiration for each other. And I really like that. It's just everything else just sucked. I'm still so mad that you found out the spoiler. I know, man. It I makes know. me so mad. And that's all I'm thinking about this entire recording. I'm just like, <laughs> how dare you? I'm blaming you too. <laughs> I know you're yeah. the victim here and I am victim blaming, but... You went onto the wrong corners of the internet. I just went, okay, yeah, okay. Going on Wikipedia might not have been a smart move. Um, no. <clears throat> anyway. Especially when it's like Mandalore, which is interesting. And it's I like know. central to the plot. I if know. you were like looking up things about Pantora or whatever the hell, like it's still interesting and stuff, but it's not like. 
Yeah. Do you do you know that situation when you're reading something and you know you should stop reading, but you're you're you can't like yeah. your thought yeah. just just needs needs like half a second to like reach your eyeballs, but in that half a second your eyeballs read that thing that you tried not to read. And that's yeah. exactly what happened to me. Oh no. So mad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that just goes to show. You know, they should have done this more clear. That's anyway. a good point. It's their fault in the end. Exactly. It's, their, it's not my fault. It's their fault. It's also your fault. It's a little bit my <laughs> fault, but it's mostly their fault. Um, it's very confusing. Um, anyway, episode six, The Academy. We get a lot of stupid children. I fucking hate this. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally my first note is, children, I'm sure Chris will hate this. Uh, so... So Ahsoka gets the mission to teach the children about corruption, um, which just led to a very funny, a very funny situation in my head where like, she is ta- she's giving a def- definition of corruption, and I just I just c- thought about it. So Webster's dictionary defines corruption as dot dot dot. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I wish they would have done that. I will say that I like Ahsoka as a teacher in this place. I, I it's cool to see her um, growth in that way. Yeah, and then so so she talks about corruption and warns the the kid cadets about how that's bad and you should fight it if you're like an official, uh, and you know also investigate other officials and all of that. And so uh, there's a group of four four cadets who talk about this in the evening, and then for some reason decide to investigate the docks to find out if there's because they're hungry because they're hungry and they want just want to make sure that there aren't any foodstuffs stored away somewhere else and they of course stumble across a meeting of everyone involved in (laughs) uh you know ah jesus christ uh in this in this plot to take away some foodstuffs from the delivery and they go to satine with it because of course one of the kids is like the the nephew of Satine and she doesn't take them seriously so they go to Ahsoka instead and was it Corky Corky <laughs> she is 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 really frustrated by Satine like she just thinks we're a bunch of stupid kids and is like yep there's two of us who think that um <laughs> <laughs> the prime they go to the prime minister as well who is like not suspicious at all who says basically bring all the evidence and all the people who know about this to the docks at night then they find out that Satine got kidnapped um and all of the their uh, all of her guards got killed um but before they go to the meeting they meet up with Ahsoka and tell her about all of this and then for some reason which doesn't make any sense she can f- uh, she can find out that it's him under the cloak because of course there's like a hooded figure in this meeting um oh, and then they find out that it's the prime minister and they try to trap him and it goes pear-shaped and people get captured and they fight and it's all a big mess and in the end for some reason ahsoka without a lightsaber by the way and those four children are able that are all to, handcuffed that are all handcuffed managed to beat like what feels like two dozen guards or soldiers um and that the, are armed and that are that are armed and it's just bullshit yeah that and in, in the end everything is 
turns out to be good because they, I don't know, I, I think they put like some torture. They basically torture the prime minister to call off his troops. And yeah, in the end, everything's good. It's just, I just hate stupid. I There are two things colliding here that I hate. One of one of them is children. <laughs> one of them is poor storytelling and they just collide on a on a planet that I'm really interested in. And I I know this is we we had gotten the opportunity to spend some more time on Mandalore and we wasted it with stupid plots in two episodes that didn't make any sense. Everything is way too easy. And I get this is a kids TV show and of course when there are kids as the protagonists they are uh, like everything works out but i just I, oh, uh. i'm sorry for your loss I, I i don't really have much to say about this episode you covered it pretty in depth and it is a really bad episode as well would you have would you say that this is the worst episode you've ever seen of the clone wars to the, to date to date i think yeah i think those are the two worst episodes so far like back to back if you i see as a pair just because everything is just so like everything just resolves in this really unrealistic way mm. and you have like a lot of plot points that don't make any sense it's like there are more plot p- plot holes in here in deus ex machina than there is plot <laughs> good point <laughs> and i just i can't abide by that so there's one thing that i will say that i like about this episode mm-hmm. and it's anakin <laughs> yeah, yeah at the cool. very end where he just like looks at her and is like when you used untrained children to overthrow yeah. the government. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she just shrugs it off. It's like, yeah, it worked out, didn't it? And you've yeah. done way worse things. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That was definitely the highlight of this entire episode. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's telling when the best part of the episode is the last line. Yeah. <laughs> Should move on. Episode seven, Assassin. Uh, Ahsoka gets some really weird visions uh, of uh, Aura Singh trying to kill someone who eventually we find out is Padme. And so she she talks to uh, Yoda, which is a great scene, and they, they basically talk about what she should do. She talks to Padme and explains the situation. She's super understanding, which I just, just thought was so great. Like her Their interactions was so good. You know, Yoda, Yoda reminds Ahsoka that uh, many possible futures there are. Uh, we get a glimpse as well into how the force works because apparently visions are a force power that gets stronger as someone grows stronger in the ways of the force, which I certainly didn't know about because I think in terms of visions, we don't see that many people having them. No, it's just Anakin and Luke, if you want to say Dagobah. Yeah, we get some really, really endearing scenes with Padme and Ahsoka which is basically Padme as a role model and a bigger sister to Ahsoka. I just, that's such a, such a great interaction. Padme goes to some sort of summit to talk on something. I forget. doesn't matter. And basically they scope this entire scene out. They realize, okay, this is the place where it's going down. Padme actually gets shot, but it's not that bad. They set up a trap for the bounty hunter, but she doesn't she doesn't fall for it and instead in which i what i thought was a really nice uh surprise she sees through it and when you think she's just trying to kill the like droid padme in the assembly giving a speech she is actually in padme's room 
where she basically uses a, uses a space walkie-talkie to talk through the droid's mouth or speaker, I guess. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, and yeah, but Ahsoka saves her, and in the end, actually, it's Padme who just shoots um, or sing with a stun gun. Or a sing gets captured, and in the end, uh, in the end, we get Zero, who is just annoying and can't get his like mouth shut, and reveals that he was behind the contract on on Padme. And yeah, that's the episode. Yeah, a lot of things happening in this episode. Mm -hmm. It just goes from place to place to place. It feels like three episodes in one in some ways. I know, right? I'm going to start in a familiar place and I'm going to start with Anakin. I really liked his opening with Ahsoka as they're walking to the, as he's leaving on the ship. And he's just like, she wants to go. She's begging to go. And he's like, no, you should stay, do your thing. And it's like, you always, you know, say da 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 da. And he's like, this is a chance to prove me wrong. And it's a really funny way that, they interact continuously mm. and also him yelling don't get in any trouble is just it's cute <laughs> like he cares for ahsoka and it's a i just like i love like anakin in these episodes so i have to start with talking about anakin sure <laughs> sure <laughs> sure there's uh this episode is basically about three women and, and I talk about the man. You talk start. about a guy. And it, I'm going to talk, the next person I'm going to talk about is another guy. Is Yoda. Um, I really like how Clone Wars has been using Yoda, to be honest. And it's really nice in comparison to the prequels because Yoda isn't about like his lightsaber. That's not his value. It's his wisdom, right? Yeah, he's a teacher and, again. And that's so powerful. Yeah, exactly. And I really like that he is using um this moment or like that ahsoka uses him in this way and every time he comes it's just yoda's just chilling in the jedi temple talking about stuff knowing things that are happening he's not on far-flung planets flipping and cutting people with his little shoto cyber saber but whatever um with regards to their relationship it is really cool to see uh padme and ahsoka kind of together with each other out of everyone like you know and it's a really nice endearing beginning relationship i totally agree with you on that but there's one thing that i also have to say is i really really like aura sing yeah she's uh, badass she's a great villain um and even like the visions as they get more clear is quite frightening aura sing is yeah i'm impressed those, those visions are well done and especially when they're juxtaposed with anakin's visions in episode three yeah that and episode two even this is just all immediately done so much better than Anakin's uh, visions. It's incredible. And the, the, also the way that Ahsoka responds to them shows her, even though they're so similar, the differences in her personality versus Anakin's personality. Mm. Anakin thinks that he can do it and he can save Padme all by himself and that he can change the course of the future all by himself and all he needs is his own power. But Ahsoka talks to talks to Padme in front of others and works with other people collaboratively to get the job done. So despite their similarities, this simple juxtaposition shows a lot about why they respond to their seeming similar, seemingly similar dissatisfaction with the Jedi Council completely differently. I, I agree with all of what you just said, but also when Ahsoka gets a vision in the middle of the night and then just storms into Padme's uh, bedroom 
that really reminded me of Anakin in episode two. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> to but he wasn't watching her when she was sleeping. There is a difference there. She wasn't. Yeah, sorry. She wasn't. He was, he was which is yeah. the problem. Yeah. But uh, that actually leads me to a bigger point, which is probably the thing that I like most about these vis visions is that they are not, they are just possibilities. They are, Ahsoka is very unsure of them. And this, this is just, you know, what makes it even more interesting. It's just not just they show you the outcome, they show you a possibility, as Yoda says. Uh, that's what I really like about it because you can't really be sure of what happens. You just see something that could happen. Yeah. And in the end, everything does happen, but maybe not in a way that you'd think. Yeah, it's really well done. I I really don't like, though, the zero, way, the oh, way that she, they yes. reveal the zero it's thing at the a, end. It's like... Such an it, idiot. It, yeah, no, not, even, not only zero. Zero is terrible. But when they're standing on the loading, landing dock... And Ahsoka's like, if I focus, I can see more things, and I see oh, purple yeah. and this, and then like, and uh, not what's her name, Padme is just like, if I put all these things together, I think it is. You know what I mean? I just wasn't a fan of. I think there was a little bit too much um, at the end of the episode, to be honest. But you know, I can live with that given a relatively strong episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really like this episode. I especially liked. Um... Padme just powering through although she just got shot at and it really reminded me of um, Monty Python and that really really famous <laughs> sketch with the with the knight is it just just a flesh wound yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's something to show about uh, Padme's strength of character and she yeah. is a very determined and strong character and she deserves to be a lead in a saga like this not the prequel Padme that we see, who has blah and has no strength, string, strong qualities at all. Yeah. So this is great to see. You know, as you said, this Clone Wars in general is very good with certain representation, and I think a lot of that is gender representation. Mm -hmm. right? They, you know, Padme is a central character, Satine is a central character, Ahsoka is the central character. So it's great to see these women coming together and, um being a force for good in the in the galaxy yeah absolutely i mean that is something that is a through line in this season so far yeah and i think inherently when you get more ahsoka stuff you just will obviously have more women stuff as well is this the first time we see alderaan this is the surface of alderaan oh yeah this yeah. this this conference is hosted by bail organa on alderaan it's kind of cool it's beautiful i wish we see more of it it's like a really cool, beautiful place, and it's really sad that we never got to see Alderaan just because it's so central to everything. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's a lot of mystery about it, obviously. Clearly, yeah. One question that I have for you. So there's um, a fan request or theory that if, uh, I don't know how you want to say it, but... There are a lot. There's a subsection of the Star Wars fandom who believe that the prequels Naboo should have been Alderaan instead, should have been set on Alderaan. Ooh. And I'm wondering what do you think about that uh, potential difference? Because I know I have my opinion on this, but I wonder what you think. Mm. That the prequels would have been better served if Naboo yeah. were just Alderaan. I mean, at least Alderaan, like that way, Alderaan isn't ruined by Gungans. Um. 
but also I don't I don't really like so so that would be kind of a kind of a parallel with the original trilogy where we basically got to see uh Anakin's home planet of of Tatooine and then we we would get to see you know that then then uh, Alderaan would be Padme's and Leia's home planet which would be like a nice parallel like you know you get Anakin and Luke and you have Padme and Leia so yeah it, it would be a nice parallel but maybe it's good that it didn't happen you know what I mean yeah I'm strictly on the side of I wouldn't like it to have happened and I think it's a lot of it is because what we get in the prequels isn't good right? <laughs> I, I like the yeah. mystery of Alderaan yeah right? in the sense that we don't know what's there I mean, we know it's a beautiful planet with amazing things. It's really, it's really nice. I, I, I kind of like that um, as a planet. So I, I kind of like that they're separate. It mm. allows for future growth potentially with better quality uh, content. Yeah. Oh man, no weapons. Like I was complaining yeah, right? about the Royal Guard on Mandalore not having any weapons, but an entire planet of no weapons. Sure. I feel sure. like she just meant like large scale. Yeah, I know. I know, weapons. but yeah. that that line is just so stupid. <laughs> Well, it um, is the it is a it is written by George Lucas, <laughs> exactly, and no one could have saved that. Um, speaking of things you couldn't save, uh, we get another ep- episode with zero, but possibly the last one. Um, so Z- as we have seen at the very end of season one, zero gets broken out of jail by Cad Bane. Uh, who is working, I guess, for the Hut Council, and he and basically we learn that Zero has some incriminating information about the Council, so he blackmails them with with it. Um, we get a we get a Marlon Brando Hut, who has the facial features, the mustache, and the voice of Marlon Brando as the Godfather. <laughs> Um, which was ridiculous, but I loved it. Yeah. We get a very interesting new Jedi in Quinlan Voss. Yeah, I Not related to Dryden Voss, in case you were wondering. No, there's just one S in Voss here. Yeah. Um, who is kind of a surfer dude. And I thought, I, I love the, like he was paired up with Obi-Wan, who just seems like a straight A student. And <laughs> Voss is just taking it cool man it's a great combination the 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 two of them together so well done it's so great we get a really weird interaction with um zero and his former lover that's just really weird um they are the two of them together are the most annoying couple or annoying pair of characters in all of star wars i think yeah the hot planet is very reminds me very much of louisiana oh interesting uh the way Um, it's all swampy so you mean it's all swampy uh and sai and um zero's mother both talk in this accent that reminds me a lot of louisiana yeah that i mean accent i've never been there but from great. what i've seen in that accent is not great not gonna lie no uh it's so annoying um so yeah so and and then we get both um the jedi going to the hut planet as well as cad bane who's working for the council and it's basically they're all trying to get to 
to zero. I always wanted to say Java. But, um, <laughs> so they all want to get to zero. And uh, <laughs> there's a great moment when Obi-Wan and Voss arrive at the, at the council at like some form of nightclub that Zero was in previously. And there is a literal record scratch when they entered the room, <laughs> which I just thought was hilarious. Um, yeah. Voss shows of a great uh, force power because he picks up a flask that, that, that Zero drank from previously and just by touching it, he he knows that Zero was there. So they are on his tracks. Um, in a really weird scene, Obi-Wan gets attacked by some giant swamp. Yeah, what was the point of thing? that? And he just kills it within 30 seconds. And then I think it was just for like joke purposes. But um, it just, it, it was, again, the pacing was really weird. Uh, they all try to get to Zero, who uh, who is going to his father's grave, um, with with Sai, to retrieve the um, the whatever it is that he has all of the information about the council on, and um, we get a very surprising scene <laughs> for me. Actually, genuinely surprising. I was like, I was literally like sitting up straight. I was like, what the fuck. Yeah. Um when she just outright shoots him and kills him and takes the the information to take to Jabba. Um I just I was very surprised. I didn't see that coming at all. The Jedi and Cad Bane get to the gray, get to the place where Zero got killed, and they basically fight, and Cad Bane is just a badass defeating not defeating two Jedi, but he gets away um despite two jedi with force powers with lightsabers and all of that just by the scruff of his neck but he does get away so that was pretty impressive yeah it's kind of impressive like cad bane i like the battle between the two jedi and cad bane he's really cool he's like really talented i think it's a little like op in some ways but it's like he's really clever and it is cool to have a villain that actually can stand up to the jedi right Mm -hmm. it's nice to have like a little bit of uh parody in that way Mm -hmm. i really don't have too much to think about with this episode i do like how in the end it is you know it turns out that this is all a plot by jabba to get um power over the hut council essentially that's what the whole thing is revealed and it's like oh cool this is what makes jabba amazing is that he can like control even the entire hut council based on his information and what he yeah can that do. that also really neatly explains why jabba became what he became which is basically this huge crime lord yeah which is actually a question that i have for you how the fuck did the huts get to like become such a huge influence in the galaxy because they like everybody knows them there's like the hot council then there's this crime syndicate and they're very influential and how the hell did that happen because they are just a bunch of giant slugs uh i mean them being slugs i'm not sure how that translates but it is that they gained power slowly over the outer rim over a longer period of time and when they took planet by planet essentially the huts um that's how they like develop such a base in the outer rim that's so far away from the control of the the core planets 
And over the essentially over the time of the old republic, the Huts became super super powerful and are are the most powerful crime syndicate across yeah, I, the I galaxy. I mean, I, I get all of that, but just like how did that work? Because again, they are giant slugs. What what are they capable of that you know allowed them to be to get into that position? That doesn't make any sense to me. No, no, no. Essentially, the details that I know is that they gained their power in the in the un regulated parts of the outer rim yeah, right okay. before the time that the galaxy was controlled by like, the republic more seriously in the outer rim right all right so in that time period there was a vacuum of power and that's where they really rose to the occasion okay i guess that's the episode right yeah it's not much so we go on to the episode with the worst title ever <laughs> heroes on both sides especially now, in now clone wars couldn't know that <laughs> do you think that was trump referencing clone wars i know that was just trump being horrible (laughs) Uh, heroes on both sides obviously he said that uh you know there are good people on both sides i think it was it after charlottesville yeah yeah basically the senate wants more money so they can order more clone troopers so they can defeat the separatists but that would mean a lot of debt and I love how this is this entire episode is about bank deregulation. Um, genuinely, I like that. No, 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 me too. I think it's interesting. Padme tries to prevent that and wants to go to a friend of hers who is on the separatist side, which is, of course, very surprising and shocking, maybe even, um, because uh, we just think of the separatists as you know all they're all villains they're all like bad people so how how could that happen um but you know Padme makes a really good point about there are some systems that had like some good reasons to go on the separatist side and we do get this brief scene where ahsoka is you know is very much caught in this in this um like this extreme view but then uh Padme's friend Mino Bonteri uh basically explains it to her in kind of an anecdote about her not an anecdote but the story of her her <laughs> husband being killed by a raid uh, in a raid by clone troopers and yeah that was re- a really interesting reversal i thought um so we get a lot of negotiation we get a very interesting second plot here where grievous sends uh, a bunch of droids to Coruscant to basically on, on the on the behest of the banking clan, the trade federation, and someone else who doesn't really matter, as, as they point out in the episode, which I thought was a very weird scene, to gain support for the bill to deregulate the banks and all of that by a act of terrorism. Which, if you think about the U.S in the uh, early 21st century there might be some parallels just a bit no i think that like this um it's really interesting because obviously the banks are seen as the evil evil side of this conflict this being set two years after basically the banks ruined the global economy is Mm. a really poignant position political position that this episode is taking and that the banks are bad that you know we need to keep regulations on the banks to keep them in check 
and it's a really interesting placement. I think it more places in that part of U.S. like or con- more contemporary life, as opposed to something that is more reference to an earlier wave of terrorism. I guess mm. um, obviously that that t- like terrorist aspect is something that is woven throughout Star Wars and life since t- two thousand one, but. Um, if with regards to this specific episode and the placement in time, I think it's more referencing the 2011, 2007, 8 financial crisis. Yeah. Yeah. So ba- basically, Padme goes to to the separatists to they so sue for peace. And um, we we find out about the workings of the separatists where there is actually like an assembly and it's not just a dictatorship or whatever. I mean, I find that stuff personally very interesting. Yeah. Like the, I like to see the other side of the story that de- to to humanize and to clutter the black and white story that we're told at the beginning of the episode or throughout the entire story series. Yeah, absolutely. And we do see, of course, Dooku being in charge of this uh, of this assembly, but still he he accepts the motion and all of that, so it's all cool. Um, but of course, then we get the uh, the terrorist attack by the by the droids, which I thought I again thought was a really cool design. They ba- they're basically they look like cleaning droids, but they are actually like killing machines and huge like explosives at the same time, and they like blow up the main power grid in Coruscant, I guess, and. Uh, yeah, we can. This episode is basically just a really good commentary on how quickly public opinion can change. I really like this one. No, I think this is a good episode. Um, you know, it's one of the stronger episodes with regards to the political side of things. Um, and one of the quotes that I really like when Lot Dodd says that our business is violence, right? Yes. It's a really nice quote with regards to how war is, essentially. It's it's really incredible and how profitable it is. I mean, I know The Last Jedi, the, the movie, kind of teases at why people get rich or mm. uh, because of war. But this is an, a way to see it that how it is influencing the inner workings of democracy, right? And it also goes to show that there are there's more forces that are need to be put into place and more things that need to be happening to keep this this whole system going. So it's really incredible. On a smaller scale, there was like some hint of like a budding romance between Ahsoka and like the the prince or whatever. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, which I just couldn't care for. No, the, was, probably the the <laughs> oh one of my highlights was um Padme telling Palpatine about her negotiation uh with yeah. the separatists. Yeah. And he is like so he plays it so cool. But I immediately thought, and obviously we lear- later we learned that it's true. As soon as Palpatine knows about um you know the separatist who like Padme's separatist friend I, I immediately thought okay she's gonna die very very quickly yeah. and she does it's well done it just it shows you how good Palpatine is as like and how only he could have done something like this um there is like one second where you can see his surprise and then he very quickly says, oh yeah that's cool that's cool yeah I like the question about 
um, who started the war. That's a really nice back and forth between, yeah. you know, Ahsoka and um, Bonteri. But um, it's really interesting when you think, oh, actually, who did start the war in some ways, mm. right? Is it is it the responsibility of the the mainline government to act in a just manner and not give people cause to want to leave? Or is it the people who decide to leave and try to form a better future for themselves? It's a very interesting. And often, you know, as we all know, history is written by the victors. But in the case where history is still being made, it's really nice to see two different perspectives of the same side. Yeah, I love it when Anakin is talking to Ahsoka at the very beginning of the episode. I saved my Anakin anecdote to the very end, by the way. I hope you sh- you're very happy, right? Um, sure. When he foreshadows his own ability to, to easily turn to the dark side when he says it is our job to restore order yeah and that is a great line to show his his psychology the way he mm-hmm. understands his role as a jedi it's not being a peacekeeper it is to restore order and that's it just shows so much about who he becomes and who the rationale for how he turns to the dark side and also it's a nice um you know even a further foreshadow to the first order right it's, mm-hmm. it's and it's just all about order and that's just not what he doesn't get it and we can see that it's nice to see the little um sprinkles or the breadcrumbs <laughs> sprinkles breadcrumbs being <laughs> laid this early on it's great so should we move on to the last episode of today now we can move on thank you very much for asking so the <laughs> last episode for of today pursuit of peace we get in the recap the phrase adroit suicide bombing which i just thought whoa 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 whoa, whoa. yeah that right is, that's hold on that's intense <laughs> a i mean of course this is very reminiscent on uh of like everything that happened in the last 20 years but also um try can droids commit suicide how does that work i mean technically they're not living things so they can't commit suicide but that's a really interesting question is that are, do they have personality? They have personalities. They have a consciousness. They must then, they cling to life, right? They scream when they're dying, do right? They, they run away. Though? I would argue that they do. It's a really interesting debate. Like Clone Wars has imbued these droids with a semblance of a consciousness, right? Of, not, ju- not just Clone Wars, to be fair. But yeah, droids in Star-, in Star Wars are always weird because they're not coherent at all. Yeah. But in general, it's like I think that clones in general in the Star Wars universe, both on both sides, need to be considered as living beings. Mm. And even it's obviously they are not entirely treated that way, right? And mm-hmm. it's a, that's a fault of the show or the the medium in general. But when they are treated that way, this is I'm totally on L 3s camp. All droids should be independent and should be treated just as organic beings, and it's clear that like, so for example, a question that I had in the last episode actually was when Grievous is giving a motivational speech to these droids, like, being yes. like you know, you're going to have to do this. Like that's kind of not necessary, no. but it's, it, it's really indicative of, you know, these droids are essentially just substitutes for humans. And it's obviously mm. for us and for children who don't have the depth to think about this too deeply or don't, shouldn't be thinking about this too, too deeply. It's a way to kill a bunch of things and not think about it too much. But when you really delve into this, every single one of these droids has a personality, has a history, has a desire to live, 
right? And that desire in and of itself, yes, can be programmed, but it then corresponds to a consciousness and a life. And when you then go against that and kill yourself as a result of these things, then I would consider that a suicide. Um, yeah, I think, you know, just briefly going back to the previous episode, I think that also tells you something about Grievous. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Which I really like. Um, so, but anyway, so we have very heated debate in the Senate. Um, Padme gets called a traitor a bunch because she doesn't, she is not in favor of the bill. But given recent events, everyone else seems to be. Um, there is uh, There are a few senators, among them, Padme, but also Bail Organa and Anaconda Far, who um, try to rarely support against the bill. But we see a lot of bad things happening to senators who are like publicly against the bill. Basically, <laughs> Dooku, who, by the way, also um, blames a Republic attack to that killed Bonteri, um which is very handy uh he basically just pays some bounty hunters to attack a lot of the senators and try to intimidate them kind of works with some of them <laughs> there we get this really weird scene where so ba bail organa is preparing a speech and they tell us a lot about how he is such the such a good orator but pa padme and ono just um, meet with one of the senators and uh, they can't sway him but they t then they tell him that Bale is um, preparing a speech and then he says which is such a diss to Padme and Honor it's just like yeah I'll listen to what Bale has to say yeah it's uh, <laughs> just really funny um, basically Honor gets jumped by some thugs um, and Padme also gets um attacked by the bounty hunters right it's really easy to get to these senators it's yeah a that's too easy really weird. it's weird not gonna lie yeah and like we we do see that padme has her own security personnel but why they don't accompany her that boggles my mind um i mean obviously for plot reasons but yeah um yeah so she narrowly escapes the bounty hunters um uh but bail in turn gets attacked by them on the morning of his speech and gets injured so he can't do it but Padme does yeah gives a rousing speech that apparently is successful yeah another problem i have to be honest i'm just like the speech writing is horrible in uh, in clone wars so far by the way we've seen like two or three speeches that are supposed to be really good and they're all super boring yeah, they've never been good. I'm just like they're they're they've been terrible at this point. Like, and also like, this is something I have a low key problem with in a lot of movies, but especially in here when it's like couched in political um, proceedings, speeches don't really sway opinions that much. Mm. It's not like someone has like one a completely opposed opinion and then has listens to a speech and is like, oh, my mind's changed. That's not how politics works. Nope. Like, have you ever been in a Senate? Like, have you ever like heard what they say? Like how it's just, 
speeches maybe can change public opinions over time and start to like change, move the direction of things. But there is no culminating speech that then everyone riles behind and is like, Yo, yes, yes, I'm going to change my mind and vote for you. It, it It's given away too much power in my mind. No, it's basically just if you have kind of um, the momentum of on your side because of some circumstances, you can um, you can give a rallying speech that that influences a lot of the populace, which in turn puts pressure on on the senators because it's their constituents, and if they are roused, then then change can happen. But it's not the speeches are not for politicians; it's always for the public. Politics 101 with Chris and Rashad. Let's do it. Let's not do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of politics, we get a great last scene in this in this episode where Palpatine ominously says to his uh, assistant or whatever, for now, we must adhere to the principles of our democracy. We must let the wheels of the Senate turn. It's amazing. And it's so well done. You can definitely tell he's the bad guy just the way he says it, the way it's shot, the lighting and all of that. It's just so well done. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I didn't like the part with with, uh, Bounty Hunters. That was just weird. Um, But the political side of it, I liked. Yeah, it's an interesting side. Interesting episode. Um, You would have thought we get like back to back two good episodes on politics in the galactic senate that's mind boggling still mind boggling to me think of where we are and where we came where we started with the prequels <laughs> like it's just amazing um and really just the ability for the clone wars to completely like supersede the prequels and it's just phenomenal and i think forever will be my favorite thing about them do we skip any other episodes for the rest of the of the season? No, we do not. For the second half of season three, we will be watching episodes 12 through 22, going straight through it. I'm very excited for this. These are some of the some of the ones I'm not best, but some of the ones I'm really excited for to talk about. Don't talk say about. that because that just like... No, they're not that good. I will say that. Okay. But they have themes that are interesting to me. And I think you'll be interested as well. I'm so sorry. I will never say that again. Okay. Yeah. Please don't because that just builds expectations. And then I, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, hold on. Hold on. On that note, you're your own worst damn enemy when it comes to spoilers at this point. You like. (laughs) I fuck up once. Come on. Hey, I just messed up once too. And it was a lot less of a mess up than yours. And, and I, and nobody regrets this more than I do. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. If you want to get in touch, there are a few ways you can do that. Email. Write us an email to hello at seriallyhooked.com. Website. You can check out our website and suggest future topics at seriallyhooked.com. Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at seriallyhooked. If you like the show, tell a friend or 10, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference and helps people discover the show. Do you ever want to cut something or do you just don't want to be bothered with this? No, I can't be bothered. I mean, no, it's <laughs> okay. Sure. If, if, if I cut things is also, I know it won't be to your standard. It'll be basically nothing. It'll just be no. uploaded as is. Okay. Um, yeah, we, can't have that. we can yeah. definitely not do that. <laughs>
So do you um, want to get into the episodes? No, uh, I have a few more things to say, clearly. I know. Uh, Every time I ask that, you're just like, no. Nope, how dare no you? <laughs> yeah, because you just don't say them. <clears throat> so, okay. uh, I'm just, <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <clears throat> Let me go at my own pace. There sure. are so many things to say. Hey, listeners, li- keep listening to us. We're good, right? Yes. Okay. Send us emails. Send us tweets. Check out our website. Boom. Done. <laughs>